Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Pine. Make It Pine. M-I-P. With Massimella Mark Thompson. Make It Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, big reparations hearing on February 17th. Another historic hearing and a meaningful one. A lot of positive news in the press. Of course, this issue is picking up steam. The detractors are losing arguments. They're running out of arguments, quite frankly. So this is a big deal. One of the newest stars in the reparations movement is our guest today. And we all are grateful to have her. We welcome her because we want to see younger generations pick up this mantle and push it forward. She's a consummate advocate and organizer. Uh, and we're all so proud of her. She testified at the hearing. I've started calling her the new star of reparations and in fact, reparations Beyonce. Uh, she thinks I'm crazy and you all know that I am, <laughs> but we are happy to have her with us here on Make It Plain and you're, you're in for a really great conversation. Dreesen Heath is here. Dreesen, how are you, sister? Congratulations on your testimony. Thank you so much, Reverend Mark. I really appreciate you always, and it's just a pleasure to be with you. Grateful to be here, grateful to be alive. So we had an incredible weekend, just looking forward to, to moving forward. Indeed, indeed. Well, first of all, how do you feel that the hearing went itself? Yeah, I think that there was a strong case and through line made that this that reparations for the legacy of slavery is an urgent issue. It's an urgent need to embark on the next steps, which is getting H.R. 40, the commission to study and develop reparations proposals for African-Americans Act out of the House Judiciary Committee. It's never been voted out before. And then on to the House floor. And I think 
all of the witnesses, most of the witnesses made a case for that to proceed immediately because the conditions economically and socially are dire. So I am overwhelmed by the um, coverage of the hearing and the framing of this issue as, yes, it's an urgent one, but it's it's a culmination of all of these converging inequalities that we cannot disconnect from the legacy of slavery. And we can't disconnect from racist public policy um, that has shaped the way that Black people live today. So there were moments that spoke to some uh, revisionist history and, you know, arguments about personal responsibility when we're talking about a repair issue and issues that are structural, regardless of um, whether you have overcome class or other barriers. The U.S. government at the federal, state, and local level is still uh, suppressing and oppressing Black folks at at every turn. So I'm just excited for what's next and uh, this growing support for the bill. And some of those arguments, you know, were ridiculous and just old, worn-out arguments, which I think helped our case. You know, Larry Elder keeps saying over and over again, Democrat Party, welfare. I mean, they've been saying that for 40 years. It's it, it, That doesn't work anymore. Nobody, it, everybody's immune to it. And then poor Herschel, I even reached out to him. He made the case for reparations, talking about racism against him in life. His uncle, his great grandfather lynched. You know, I, you know, he he actually and I said to him, brother, you the one you need uh, reparations like like the rest of us. So you'd almost think that the Republicans putting them up either were trying to help us or didn't know that they would help us. What's next? Where do we go from this hearing, from your point of view? We increased that co-sponsorship number. We're at 167 as of this morning. If your audience will recall, last Congress, the bill garnered 173 co-sponsors. So we're on pace to surpass that number. In the Senate, the Senate companion now S40, very thankful for Senator Booker's leadership on that, has 17 co-sponsors. So getting that number up and and close to... um, uh, the the 218 mark, but also the Judiciary Committee vote is ahead of us and we're racing towards that. So we've got some outliers on the committee that need to express their support publicly and emphatically for the bill. And then we take it from there. But we, we're also continuing our campaigning, our public education campaigning, which is allowing people to realize that <laughs> reparation is not some abstract concept. This is concept that is a process that is well established in international human rights law and which U.S. is is a party to and accountable to. And so having that out there, having the international human rights law standards, as well as why there have been lasting impacts of the institution of slavery and why we should be talking about not just the institution, but post-emancipation racist policies within Jim Crow segregation era, but also the current discriminatory public policies that create racialized, segregated areas and conditions for people today. I've been saying to Dreesen folks that what was supposed to happen if Malcolm X and Dr. King had come together was there it was going to be petitioning for our human rights. Civil rights was going to go beyond that and become a cause for human rights. And I've been saying that, you know, what she's been doing is picking up that mantle, not just to put pressure on her, but because that's true. And we live through our ancestors. 
How did Human Rights Watch, an organization that heretofore has not taken a stand per se on reparations, and we all often think of HRW in the context of larger international issues, how did HRW get involved in this reparations fight? Thank you for that question. Um, And a lot of folks aren't aware that Human Rights Watch took a position on reparations ahead of the Durban South Africa Conference, the international conference in 2001. And so in terms of being on the record and in supporting reparations for the legacy of colonialism and slavery, we have an approach to reparations position that was established then related to our international advocacy. However, you know, ahead of the Juneteenth hearing in 2019, we published a piece officially in support of H.R. 40. The 2017 change to the bill that NCOBRA was largely a part of in making it a remedy bill and a, a bill that will establish proposals was a very high selling point to support this type of legislation because that's an active measure and we're, we're moving forward with that. We're not just putting a study on the shelves. Although the federal government hasn't officially documented their full range of crimes and violations related to the legacy of slavery. So that is an important part of the acknowledgement. Um, But, you know, being on the record ahead of the Juneteenth hearing was incredibly important. Um, But our extensive work and advocacy in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, which started originally looking at conditions of uh, policing, poverty, and racial inequality, Um, As folks may know, Tulsa is uh, the site of one of the worst incidents of racial violence in U.S. history. So supporting that local reparations movement there was incredibly important for us to demonstrate the continual harm since the 1921 race massacre on the Tulsa, um, Black Tulsa community. So we put out a report in May of 2020, basically explaining the legacy of structural violence from the massacre itself, local and state officials participating in that, blocking the rebuilding. After promising full reparation and restitution, they then blocked the rebuilding. Subsequent federal policies, redlining, urban renewal, highway construction, which cuts through the heart of Greenwood and relegates Black Tolsons, high populations of Black Tolsons north of the highway. And in conditions of poverty, lack of access to education, health care, employment, and economic development. And so we consulted with the community descendants um, and living survivors there to come up with a comprehensive reparations plan in addition to a call for direct payments for the massacre because there's economically accessible damage. That report fueled our work to join and collaborate with this incredible coalition on H.R. 40, because Tulsa is very much a microcosm of the U.S. And joining this larger fight towards uh, reparations for the legacy of slavery was important to our team within the U.S. program and more broadly for the organization, particularly in this moment where we're seeing so many converging crises and and at the center of the public health crisis, the economic crisis, the police violence crisis is always anti-Black racism. So it it was so important for, for us to be in this space. And stresses the point too, just so everyone's clear, because we a lot of times we, we think of reparations in one context, and that's slavery and enslavement. 
But this bill would deal with past harms and current harms, the vestiges of slavery. So every, the, the, the list you just gave are issues for which there should be repair. Right. And in international human rights law, the right to remedy and reparation is well defined and it lays out the forms, but it also makes clear that governments have an obligation to document, account for and rectify gross human rights violations. For example, the institution of chattel slavery, serious human rights violations, but also acts of racial discrimination. So that's really important, too, because it doesn't violation of your rights is directly connected to discriminatory acts. And those are ongoing. So to make the case that not only past harms need to be repaired, but contemporary ones, too, is super important. And back to those five key forms, which people have debated what forms reparations should come in. Reparations should always be proportional to the harm and harms. So the Black community within the United States, descendants of enslaved Africans, have experienced cumulative harm which means you need to evaluate and not limit the scope of what repair is necessary. We're talking about restitution, the first form of reparation that brings, restores communities back to where they were prior to the violation, returns property, artifacts, restoration of liberty and employment and opportunity. You also have compensation, economically accessible damage, but also compensation for moral losses, not just physical loss and property loss. Then you have rehabilitative measures. Psychologically, we need measures that are going to help heal the psychological traumas that have been passed down intergenerationally. Legal services, so many of the claims, all of the claims have been denied in the courts for descendants of enslaved people in the U.S. So how do we remove those legal barriers? There's also what we call satisfaction measures, which are official truth-telling measures, knowing where somebody, what land you're standing on, where somebody was lynched, knowing which neighborhood has been redlined. Also having an official apology by the federal government because the House and the Senate passed slavery apologies in 2008 and 2009. Neither was signed into law. So the federal government is still not on record with full acknowledgement. And the last pillar is guarantees of non-repetition, which is the institutional and legal reform. We have institutions today, particularly the criminal legal system and the policing systems that do not serve or protect Black people. We need a, you know, institutional reimagining and restructuring of those as they currently are. And, and those are all options within the recipe for repair. Dreesen, is the international community being primed that if this does not happen in the order it should, the legislation, the signing of the legislation, what have you, to become more involved? in our struggle for reparations. Now, I, I, I teased it out to, to international organizations that in case Trump was reelected, we might have needed to make the United States a pariah in the way South Africa was. I mean, we, we were in conversations about that and, and on the brink. But I put everybody on notice I was talking to. Say, now, just because Trump loses doesn't mean we still don't have demands here in America and we need right. reparations. From HR as HRW as an international organization, have you all been in dialogue with?
with other international groups and advocacy organizations and freedom fighting organizations who are allies and in solidarity? And do you think that if that moment came and we needed that international support, that they'd be ready? We're certainly priming them to be ready. And particularly several international groups are already engaged on this work and supporting our Why We Can't Wait campaign are also supporting other measures related to H.R. 40. There's also international mechanisms mechanisms to engage on the issue of reparations. The U.S. and other countries go through a universal periodic review process to evaluate their adherence to human rights laws and human rights standards. And during this updated process, we Human Rights Watch submitted an update to make sure that countries press the United States on their responsibility to provide repair for the legacy of slavery. Those are all, you know, in the record at the United Nations and will continue to also leverage using other countries to put pressure on, although, you know, many other countries haven't done what they needed to do to repair violations as well. But if you think of countries like Germany, who have a robust reparations program for victims of the Holocaust, that would be powerful for them to pressure the U.S. to speak up on these issues. Then you have the U.N. Working Group on African um, People of African Descent, who have been definitely ahead of this issue issuing statements and recommendations specifically to pass H.R. 40 and why it's necessary to compensate for the legacy of slavery. Um, The special rapporteur, Professor Tendaya Chuame, who we shared the space with at Wednesday's hearing, she produced an incredible report in 2019 outlining why this is necessary, what maybe the legal and political obstacles are, but especially what's possible in this context, because everyone loves to talk about feasibility, but it needs to, any repair uh, proposals and measures need to be proportional to the harm. So feasibility is really a question about the range of harms and violations that were committed against people. Absolutely. And it was, it was encouraging to see her there and to see what an international issue this is. Dreesen and HRW created the Why We Can't Wait campaign, barring from the phrase of Dr. King. And we can't wait for all the reasons she said. There are ongoing harms today. And so the clock is ticking. The meter is running. And so America needs to be, needs to be about this. And um, we also know that if for any reason this doesn't get through both the House and the Senate, we're demanding that the Biden administration do establish a commission by executive order, right? Absolutely. We've spoken to the Biden administration as well as the Domestic Policy Council on the very issue of reparations, H.R. 40 style commission. Presidents in the past have established commissions at their own will that may have been viable measures in the legislative arena. But we also need a president that takes leadership that owns the fact that we need to document and account for the legacy of slavery. One that is willing to listen and and not necessarily confuse the concepts of racial equity 
from now to to forward in racial justice and reparation, which is the accounting for past and present and ongoing and what's actually necessary to close the racial equity gaps. You cannot close the racial equity gaps. You cannot upend structural racism. You cannot end racial terror and white supremacy without reparation. So we'll continue. It was a very positive development to see the White House publicly support and embrace H.R. 40 in the the press conference, what daily uh, press conference, and we'll continue to to hold them to that because that was a promise he made in the Lift Every Voice plan for Black America that the way he would tackle systemic racism, one of those pillars was supporting a study for for reparations. So it is within his power and his authority to take the legislative language of H.R. 40 and create a, a commission by executive action. As we used to say, a la Kwame Ture, civil rights and black nationalism, the logical conclusion, if you take that to its logical end, is pan-Africanism. If we're talking about equity and justice and ending discrimination, you take that to its logical conclusion, is rep- reparations. Defund. It's logical conclusion. Abolish the police. The logical conclusion for all of that is reparations. So, you know, I agree with you. You're absolutely right. Tell people what they can do uh, to get involved, what you want people to do, how they can become active right along with you. Great. Yes. I urge you to keep abreast of what's of what's happening. Um, If you did not catch Wednesday's hearing, go to the House Judiciary Committee's website and watch the recording, read the written testimonies of the expert witnesses that were on that panel. Um, we also have just an incredible group of coalition members. You know, go see Encobra's primer on HR 40. Google that. Google NARC's extensive library, IBW's extensive library on the issues of reparations. Check out hrw.org backslash reparations now for particular actions related to what's next. But also take, take the time to call the Capitol switchboard and get other members to sponsor the bill. Quite frankly, we need more ground well. We have an incredible grassroots organizing campaign, and we need some more ground well support from ordinary people that care about justice, that care about recognizing people's humanity to reach out to their local representatives who are not on the bill, but also more broadly representatives who are just not on the bill. So check out that list at congress.gov and and search HR 40 and see where um, your local representative and other representatives um, and senators stand on this issue. Dries and Heath, what's the website of HRW? www.hrw.org backslash reparations now. All right. We appreciate you, folks. As I said, you can you can see you can hear for yourself the new star of the uh, of the reparations movement. We're glad to have her. We look forward to many other great things from her, and we look forward to her helping us to lead this movement. We're very proud of you, Dreeson. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please give the show a five star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. 
If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.